You're listening to Contesting Wrestling. If you're not familiar with it, if this is the first time you're tuning in, this is a podcast where I'm on a journey to understand why people would watch wrestling. Why is this something that you would do with your time, right? Because let's let's be let's be honest with each other. This is a podcast that's about honesty. It goes wrestling, then honesty. Round here. Uh, Always wrestling, wrestling before honesty. And then, yeah, well, obviously you can't have honesty and then wrestling because then wrestling's not going to be as fun. I, you know, a lot of people are very judgmental about it. And I was one of them. I still am. I have come around somewhat. I would say we are, we're, you know, we're, we're down the road of my journey where I'm like, okay, there's something to this. I don't know if I can really call myself a fan. Every time I start to be like, oh, maybe this is good, then, like, I'll just see some, literally anything from, like, Raw right now, and I'm just like, no, this is a dark force in the world that should not be. So, I, it's real, it's, it's complicated, it's real complicated, and I feel like today's guest, who we will introduce several introductions from now might have a unique take on this, and I'm excited. I'm excited. So first, I'm going to turn this over to, oh, yeah, the other half of this podcast, the, 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 the journey facilitators, if you will, the journeymen. It's not what the word means, but in this context, it works nicely, uh, are my friends of many, many years who I love and respect, and also they know a lot about wrestling. And one might say, but can't those two things not exist together? And that's the question at the beating heart of this horse we're slowly beating to death at Contesting Wrestling. Ben, why don't you jump in here? Yeah, I'm Dr. Ben Abelson, professor of philosophy at Mercy College, and my heart beats for professional wrestling. I'm Katie Vella, professional wrestling referee of almost three years now. Been in wrestling since 2014 inside the business been a fan since 2003 i um uh you know who's also dead hobarth anyway on to our times, next podcaster because you know, t- not even context yeah. that time <laughs> came with that part of it, you guys were talking about you you guys had mentioned death i appreciate I guess. that there was no context i, I do want to just say Katie. that I'm, I'm glad that we're Everything's coming around to my side of just a context-free universe of disembodied information units floating around. But also very Bodies, hurtful. Just like Hobart is a how body. Many t- how many hours have we spent in the Slack talking about this? How many? How many hours of therapy have I gone through to try to get over <laughs> we, we ha- the trauma? And then right, so guys, much guys, of Patreon money is going to Ben's therapy. Uh, like, I had to pay Slack for extra <laughs> messages. I didn't even know you had to do that. But we capped. We, At yeah, some point, we yes. So, so there's more people on this podcast, uh, yeah, yeah. It's after we're not derailing the horrible tragedies in our past, uh, my name is uh, is Doc Diamondfire. As usual, here um, I've been in wrestling for about a dozen years. Um, I realize, you know, Katie, you always say how long you've been a fan. I've been watching wrestling since like 1992. Uh, things have changed a lot since then, um, but yet the core remains the same. And and, and uh, as far as wrestling goes, we have a guest today. We have a professional wrestler. Um, his name is Francis Wright. Um, I've uh, I've known Francis Wright for a while. He, he has recently come out of his shell a lot on Twitter. I, I fully recommend watching his very interesting videos. But uh, instead of me going on about it, Francis, uh, how are how, how you doing today? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? 
Well, so far, I am a mix of good and bad today. And I want to address three things quickly. First of all, Dr. Ben Abelson at Mercy College. You're at a college, huh? So you're in one of these public education systems. Not, not public. Private. Doesn't, private, doesn't nonprofit. Matter. Listen, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what they say. It's education system to feed you lies. And we're going to uncover those lies today. Second of all, I want to ask, who's this Hobart person? What, what's, what's the deal with that? Because apparently something tragic has happened. And I want to know that. Well, well Katie, you should uh, you should probably explain it because Ben doesn't want to talk about uh, it. So Hobarth is uh, Ben's dead son. He, at the <sighs> age of two years old, he was just running around in the street unattended because Ben was a terrible, terrible father. And Mick Foley ran Hobarth down with his car. You know the screeching mm. noise that's in B- Mick Foley's uh, entrance music? That's actually the sound mm-hmm. of... Uh, Hobart of uh, Mick Foley hitting Hobart with the, you know, as he comes out, that's actually the sound of vehicular manslaughter on Ben's dead son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. I that totally theme song that came out in 1998. Don't, 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 we don't need to do the math on that. That's, that's going to be very boring for the listeners. <laughs> Let's not talk about math. They do the common core math nowadays. We're not going to talk about it. We're, we're, we're going to talk about the real issues. I totally believe that Mick Foley is guilty of murdering your son. Intentionally, not, not accidentally, you know, intentionally. And let me explain why. And Evan, this is where I want to talk to you, okay? I'm listening. I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, good. I'm glad you're listening. Because you said things like, oh, you know, I like some aspects about wrestling, but some I don't like. You shouldn't like any aspect about wrestling because they're lying to you. You conflated wrestling and honesty and there's no honesty in wrestling not on what you see on television everybody that you do this podcast with they're not being honest with you so i'm going to be honest with you and you need to listen to me forget everything you've heard about professional wrestling and listen to me okay barack obama right 44th president of the united states and vince mcmahon have an unholy alliance and that unholy alliance is the joining of professional wrestling, and the Illuminati. And this unholy alliance wreaks havoc on society at large. Okay? So, you um, see, degeneracy, it's my turn to talk. When it's my turn to talk, it is, it is, it, the floor has not it's recognized you, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> okay? You know what? I, I don't... I don't even want to listen. You're already disrespecting. I don't even. I don't even want to. Francis, continue. Francis, it's a, it's okay. It's a, take a couple of deep breaths. You're you're gonna have plenty of chances. We brought you on for a reason. You know, I'm I'm the kind of guy who doesn't think that much that we perceive as real is real. So you, your your messages resonate with me at least a bit. At least a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I would say you know the closest that I have come to what I feel like is an original thought about wrestling over the course of this podcast is something a way that I've described it to people who are who ask like you do a podcast about wrestling but you don't like wrestling why are you doing that and th- at first I'm like I did a lot of complex reasons that I don't know you well enough to get into is usually what I say but if I do know them well enough to get into it I'll say something like it's sort of this organic it is this form of theater that really organically grew out of lying, right? Because wrestling, for for a hundred yeah. years or more, 
the whole point was it was just carnies trying to sucker you out of money. And we just kind of wound up in this place with characters and and all this stuff. And I, I don't know. So I find that actually very interesting that it is kind of still it they're lying to you. That is kind of the point is that they're lying to you as opposed to actors on a TV show who are not necessarily trying to actually get you to believe that the TV show is for real happening. Oh, they're lying to you. They're absolutely lying to you, but not in the ways that you think they are. So let me tell you this. You get people like Batista. He's got the triangle with the all-seeing eye tattooed on his chest. And then you get people like John Cena, who can see outside drop-kicking baby seals if you look hard enough. And you have them, and they fight, right? And you have these two people just, ah, 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 right? Yeah. And they call it a dentistry. Everything is like, oh, I look up to these people, so I should be degenerate. And I'm going to go out and Batista bomb people on the sidewalk. That's how it happens. It makes everybody irrational and angry. It makes people think that the things that are okay are not okay, and the things that are not okay are okay. You understand? I'm going to say I tangibly understood what you said. Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of with you. Mr. Wright, so as a professional wrestler Mm -hmm. yourself, how do you uh, reconcile your own life choice with this den of degeneracy and evil and lying that you have understood the pro wrestling world. Well, I wish it was easy enough to just say, you know, let's all get along. Let's stop fighting. But you can't do that because professional wrestlers are like cavemen. Why don't you take a time machine to the year 1647 when cavemen were still around, you know, with their, their, you know, their nipple exposed and they got the big baseball bat thing. Why don't you go down to that time and say, everybody get along, try to be a pacifist hippie there. You're not going to be able to do it. Seven was well after the caveman, uh, Francis. No, it wasn't. 1647, it was 80 years ago. The cavemen were still around. They were men. Yeah, I don't see. I'm. I. I don't. I don't see any problem. Right. I I thought you two would get along. You know. I'm glad about that. Now, I well, I also want to point out. I, I now obviously I am coming at things from a slightly from a slightly different perspective. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't make this, I try not to make this podcast about my politics, but you know, I do agree with you. I mean, I, I suppose the, my version of what you're saying is really, you know, when you look at professional wrestling and then you look at say, you know, the, uh, the power of global capitalism, uh, you really do see the realization of the combined interests of the capital class and then like the bourgeois media class uh, are they are realized in the state you know the state and especially now in the modern day in 2020 the state is professional wrestling right we all exist in the avant-garde theater that is modern politics which is extremely influenced by professional wrestling uh it's always kind of been like this it's just a lot more openly about that now so yeah i mean i'm i'm well, I'm, you're, you're, I'm, you're I'm, learning I'm about it now so far. <laughs> yeah directly even in the current case where the mcmahons are very much a part of donald trump's administration which i wonder how you reconcile that mr wright with your claims about the connection between the mcmahons and obama listen first of all let, let me address okay so i was about to speak Dr. Ben, that is your real name. I was about to speak, and then you started speaking. So what's up with that? So I'm not even going to address your question, at least not yet. Okay, let's talk to Evan real quick. First of all, I don't have time for all this knowledge 
that you learn in public school from a spy drone posing as a teacher about capitalism. I don't have time for that. So let's focus on the real issues here. Wait, are you saying that Ben's a spy drone? Ben! I think you're saying Evan is a spy drone. Ben, are you a spy drone? No, I think he was saying that my public school teachers were spy drones. Like the birds, right? I wouldn't know if I were, would I? You know, you know what you, you know. What people who say that are spy drones. <laughs> I guess so. So I'm not feeding any information to you. I'm talking directly to you right now. So I want to talk about the fact you said, "Oh, it's the year 2020." No, it's the year 1723. That's one of the things that they are lying to you about. Uh, is this like is this like a Philip K. Dick style sort of like it's actually still ancient Rome even though we perceive this as the 70s because time isn't real and time is in fact the prison that we are all living in to make us believe that reality is one way when it is in fact another way? Oh yeah, they're trying to con- yeah man, they're constantly lying about you what reality is and reality isn't, okay? That's what they're constantly doing. And so when you say they, I assume part of that they is Mr. Brock Lesnar, the lead wrestler in one of the matches we're looking at. Today. Oh, of course. Of course. And I just want to address... Cool. Hold on. I do just want to accept my award for best segue. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once again, you're interrupting me too. See, I'm going to still give you yes. more chances to redeem yourself because you're not a government spy drone, Dr. Ben. But don't interrupt me when I'm talking because my words are more important than anybody else's out there, Okay. I'm the most amazing person that has ever lived. And if any of you interrupt me again, hmm. it's going to be a problem. Okay. Now, let's talk about Brock Lesnar. And let's talk about Goldberg. You know, let, let's talk to you, Doc Diamond Fire. Yeah. Okay. Originally, I yeah. wanted to watch Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. We, unfortunately, we we had covered that uh, early on. We we watched, you know, we've actually watched several Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg All matches on. Oh, we actually watched several Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg matches. Yeah, that's, that's the reason. That's, a, that's an impression of me. Uh, Evan has no. actually explicitly forbade us from showing him more Goldberg unless he permits it. <laughs> I choose to not recognize the physical existence of. I said, don't interrupt me. <laughs> Well, here's I mean, the reason. Here's the reason. Here's the reason. Here's the reason why we're not watching Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg. It's not because oh we watched it before. No, that's not the reason. Okay, Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg from WrestleMania 20. That's a fantastic match because that's before Brock Lesnar was corrupted by the Illuminati. And in the match that we're going to watch today, Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk, he has been corrupted by that point. And how can you tell the difference? Because he's got a giant phallus on his chest. So my question. That's certainly what that is. My question to Doc Diamondfire: Why do you want to watch a match where Brock Lesnar is corrupted by the Illuminati, but not one where he wasn't? So what do you, what are you hiding? What are you up to? I, I, I'm I'm just I'm just saying we we watched the other match, so I don't want to. I don't want to get like I don't I don't I just I, we I don't want to repeat ourselves on the podcast. Okay, Mister Wright, you know. we... what's the real reason? Government spy drone. You will get your chance to ask your question. <laughs> What's the real reason? Not the one I mean, like, that you've been telling everybody. What's the real reason? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take a shot here and say that um, if, you know, I mean, because wrestling, you know, they're lying to you. Wrestling, they're, they're not respecting you. And to me, the biggest lie that I have ever seen wrestling try to tell is 
Bill Goldberg is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's a lie. That, that insults me. On a, I feel insulted by Bill Goldberg when I watch his matches. And I understand that for many wrestlers, there's a sense of nostalgia. Um, nostalgia, of course, is the fertile soil within which the seeds of fascism take root, which is why I don't believe in it. And I look down on those who, you know, experience it. But, yeah, that's my answer. Yeah. I mean, I just I just wanted us to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. It? But 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 uh, Gold um, not Goldberg Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk though we did end up watching this mm-hmm. match. from SummerSlam twenty thirteen. Terrible match. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> you you were not a fan then I take. No. Because look. Well, what? you got fa- you got phallus chested Brock Lesnar right. Aye. And then you got CM Punk right, and he's he's all. I'm rebelling against the system. Look, I got all these tattoos and I like rock and roll, but I'm rebelling against the system. And I walked out with the WWE championship two years ago. Look how cool I am. You know what that is? See, they have two different sects, right? Okay. They got the people who are obvious shills, like your John Cena's and your Steve Austin's and your Hulk Hogan's. And then you got the people who rebel against the system, who supposedly rebel, should I say, who, you know, Oh, I'm cool. I'm, I'm not a fan of Vince McMahon. I go against what he wants. But really, they're doing that to just rake in more money so they can spend more money on the government spy drone because all the money that WWE makes, it goes right to the government. They spend it on the government spy drone. You know, Mr. Red... I mean, I you, would know, you, you would know, Ben. You would know where the money point, that I manufactured think. your existence came from, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... But uh, the the corporate co-opting of rebellion and revolution and all of that stuff uh, is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The presentation of characters as rebellious who, as you point out, are really just making more money for the uh, giant corporate megalith that is WWE is definitely the case. I mean, CM Punk, on the other hand, is slightly a different story, given that he did eventually walk out altogether. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do want to... I will say this was the first time I ever noticed something in particular about CM Punk that could play into this. Because as we all know, Brock Lesnar, I mean, they say he's from a farm from Ontario or wherever. Uh, I think uh, Minnesota originally. And I believe now he lives in Saskatchewan. Um, You know, but like Brock to me seems like some sort of escaped genetic experiment to create an Aryan Superman of some kind. CM Punk does look like somebody attempted to clone Hugh Jackman and got it, like, most of the way there. But still, like, he does, like he's a little more aged around the eyes, CM Punk, which, you know, were, which also works for his character, I think. And he's clearly, you know, in good shape. It's not a bad clone. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is uh, to put it into a little context timing-wise, this is extremely latter-day CM Punk in terms of his last wrestling career. Within less than another year, he'd be retired. Um, he was very beat up and very tired, and uh, yeah, he, he's aged indeed. You know, he looked like he was in good shape, but he didn't look like a Superman. And indeed, he, his he, back uh, really hurt. He was about ready to crack. His back really hurts. This is generally seen by most people as the last From great... carrying Monday Night Raw yes. for several years. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. But yeah. Shots oh. fired. 
Gotcha. Sorry, wah, Ben. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but, wah, wah. Yeah, but this is generally seen as like Punk's last great pro wrestling match. Uh, last great fight of any sort, <laughs> virtual or, or not. Uh, Dr. Ben, I want to ask you a question because you bring up some good points about, you know, manufacturing the anti-hero being a real thing. Sure. How do you know that? Where did you get that information from? Because it wasn't from me. Where'd you get it from? Yeah. I mean, my own observations of mass yeah. popular culture over yeah, the you know, 30 plus years I've been watching it. They have a mass popular culture in Denver International Airport where they're hiding out. Is that what the mass popular culture that you're talking about? So, so are you saying there's an actual physical human named pop culture? Maybe there is. Why are you asking so many questions? I think also, I, I think we can also focus on, for example, Stone Cold Stephen Austin, as he's widely known. Exactly by that name. Exactly by that name. Uh, I think was a great example of somebody who he perhaps he both represented the 90s ideal of wanting to tell your boss to go fuck themselves. And yet his very existence made millions upon millions of dollars for his actual boss. So that I'm sa- I think I think you guys agree with each other is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I don't agree with the government spy drone. So let's cut that. <laughs> I will say you've been bringing up a lot of good points today. So thank you for understanding. You know, there's four other people in this chat room right now. One of them gets it. You know, unfortunately, that's a higher percentage that I've been getting most of you. Most of the people, you know, that hear my ideas, they call me a crazy person. I don't know why anybody would call me crazy. I mean, I call you crazy because one time you did threaten to privately execute me. No, listen, that that was... Once again, that was in a former life. I wasn't Francis Wright then. That was a completely different thing. Nowadays, I don't like to stalk people. I mean, if the situation calls for it, I'll still do it. But I don't like to. You know what I'm saying? I think you could just say murder. I don't... I don't think you need two words for that concept. I I I mean, private execution was his own wording. Well, if you say private execution, like, I, I presume, like like a small audience, like invited, trusted friends, maybe wearing like masks because you don't want to know the other people at the execution. That's something that would happen on the money plane. Yeah, exactly. On the money plane starring Edge and Kelsey. You did suffer years of electroshock therapy and other sorts of experimental treatments. Do you think it might be possible that though that happened in your former life, that perhaps there are some lasting effects on your psychology? Well, before I answer that question, I think important context is needed for those listening. So in a former life, you may or may not have heard of Professor Nicodemus. Uh, he is a dirty scientist. One of these shows running around that experiment on people. And he gave me treatments like electroshock therapy that made me very irrational and very insane with the ultimate goal of being a dominant wrestler. Which is why I've taken it upon myself now that I have gotten clean from those treatments and I'm no longer taking them and I've had time to think about it. I want to take the balance of my life fixing all the wrongdoings that I did before. So that means, of course, eliminating professional wrestling. That's, of course, exposing the truths and the unholy alliance between professional wrestling and Barack Obama. 
right? right? So to answer your question, I was crazy before, but I'm not crazy now. So to answer your question, no, that no, 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 no. So you're saying you 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 know what crazy is, so you know this isn't it in present. Exactly. That is exactly what I'm that's saying. that's that is inspirational, man. That is really inspirational. And you, I'm I gotta say, tell you. I mean, like you know, I'm talking to you. I I see I see a worker who has been failed by the American healthcare system. I see somebody who is struggling to find purpose and meaning in the face of alienation, in the in the in the face of the contradictions that we all inter- internalize as a result of global capitalism. Well, I wouldn't say, you know, I, I my heart goes out to you. I wouldn't say that I'm struggling to find purpose. I was struggling, but I found my purpose now and I know what it is. And I do appreciate, by the way, that you say that my story is inspirational. You know, somebody coming from such dire conditions to turn around and become a superhero, that is inspirational. And people don't see it that way now, but Eventually, like 100 years from now, once I save the world, you know, everybody's going to recognize me as the greatest person to ever live. And unfortunately, it'll be too late, but better late than never. You know what I mean? Better late than never. I mean, you say you're going to save the world, but what are you doing to stop global warming, hey, Francis? Listen, I focus on the issues that I need to focus on. Right now, my focus is on professional wrestling and also the round earth. That's not really round because it's flat. I bet you guys didn't know that, but it is. So it's the red, the flat earth is actually round. That's what you're saying? Round earth is actually flat. Round earth. Round earth. Okay. So you don't have to say round earth. You can just say earth. I think everybody's going to pick up on Look at all these people. You know, Francis, quit talking. Do you think that, uh, And and AJ Styles, I imagine, is another one of your compatriots on this issue. Look, look, look. The belief, the belief in a flat Earth, I find uh, whether or not I agree with it, I've always found it to be a relatively harmless view. And judging by its track record, it's a decent way to get ahead in the professional wrestling business. So I'm not gonna fault it. Now, I do, I do want to ask, like, to, to to get us a little. We are a wrestling podcast, and we did watch some wrestling. I want to ask now, Evan, directly. What did you think of Lesnar CM Punk? Because okay. uh, we do, we do want to see what uh, what Mister Nonfan over here thinks of every piece of uh, every piece of media we coerce him into watching. And so, yeah, we watched this long, what you know, main event that wasn't really the main event of CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar. All right, a couple couple thoughts about the match. One, um, up top when. Paul Heyman is talking about CM Punk. He says he's willing to fight to the death for what he believes in. That's what it takes to be a WWE champ. And I was just like, outside of believing that he should win, like what other beliefs, like, I don't know. He said it like there's some kind of other beliefs, like, oh, I believe so much in like our common humanity that I'm going to be straight edge. I, I, uh, yeah. His straight edge oh. beliefs, right? And the but idea. But is he fighting for that? In a sense, yes. I mean, he's tr- fighting to show that being straight edge, having that lifestyle, makes you the best. So when he started out as a heel on the indies, his big catchphrase was, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, and that makes me better than you. And he's trying to prove that um, by winning championships in wrestling as a sort of larger um, narrative behind the character. Cool. And we do just want to clarify to the listeners, drugs are great, and taking them 
makes you cool. I disagree. Not on drugs at all. Just throwing that out there. Anyway, go ahead. I, before you get a little bit more into the match, uh, just on the Paul Heyman CM Punk connection, I should provide at least the mainstream narrative before our guest uh, perhaps pokes some holes in it. I'm uncomfortable with this level of context, but uh, you can you can carry on. <laughs> so um, when CM Punk left Ring of Honor in 2005, he, he signed to WWE. He went to WWE's then developmental territory, Ohio Valley Wrestling. And just, I don't know if it was coincidence or Heyman, like, was part of him being signed, but Paul Heyman became the main booker of OVW at the exact same time, pretty much. And that run of OVW with Heyman booking and Punk as the top star is in, like, my top five favorite eras of wrestling ever. So Punk and... Uh, Heyman worked closely together there. And then when uh, WWE started their revamped ECW brand, they put Heyman in charge, and Punk was the one guy that he handpicked from developmental to be a star in ECW. That didn't work out as well. But that's the history be- between Heyman and Punk that Heyman is referencing in that video package. Here, all right, here's my other, here's my other serious thought about, about this match. So early on when we were watching, in an early Lesnar match we watched, um, I was talking about how, from the point of view of somebody just getting into wrestling, something that's kind of nice about Brock Lesnar, uh, at least initially, was that he his matches are very different from other matches you watch. People approach him differently. There's a different flavor to his character, and that makes his matches sort of unique when compared to other wrestling matches. But the problem, now that I've seen a lot of Brock Lesnar matches, is that all of his matches are basically the same. Like, there's really, like, they're kind of, like, uh, they're not exactly the same, and maybe occasionally you get, like, you know, Daniel Bryan figuring out a way to use the one style of Lesnar match um, in a way that's interesting. But I, I don't know. It really is just, like, it's like, okay, like, the person's going to get the sh- shit beaten out of him, and they're either... There's a 10% chance that they barely squeak by somehow and beat him, and a 90% chance that they just get obliterated. And yeah. it, it, they all, it has a very the, the samey rhythm to each I had match. a feeling you were going to say that, Evan. I think what makes this match special is mostly the interaction between Punk and Heyman. Yes. Within the sort of tornado that is Lesnar just beating the crap out of Punk the whole time. Punk at this point, and for the last chunk of his career in the WWE, after he had lost the WWE title, seemed to be trying for the first time in his career, really, to capture that WWE-style straight-ahead good guy. And it was the one thing he really couldn't do as... He could do it fine, but he couldn't do it as well as, like, John Cena, who was always able just to, you know, his you know blank stare and catchphrases... Or even Daniel Bryan. Just able to do that. Or Daniel Bryan. Do, right, do, do, you know? do, and everybody. That's, you know, that's also because, like, Punk is, like, Punk is a very driven guy. Punk can be a very inspirational guy himself to a lot of people. But Punk isn't really a nice guy. Yeah, I was going to people- say, yeah. Punk, like, I, I don't know. I, I would love to hear if there's, like, if there's, like, backstage story or anything like that. But, like, Punk seems like a guy who just can't wipe the, like, the being a dick off his face entirely. Like he can't. He it's can. always no, there. Nailed it. We've almost purposefully um, avoided CM Punk so far on this podcast because one day we're gonna have kind of a gigantic Punk explosion because he has one of the most interesting careers beginning to end in the history of wrestling, and it's going to take some unpacking. If we're done talking about 
that all for a second. Um, so let, let's right. let's just reiterate: it's the man with the phallus, and it's the you know shill who poses as a rebel. Uh, let's talk about Paul Heyman. Let's talk about the fact that he for years ran ECW, which is this company that was built upon being violent, and it was built upon using weapons to, you know, hurt people. Let's talk about the fact that it had people like New Jack who, you know, legitimately stabbed a man 12 times in a match, and his defense was, well, I only stabbed him nine times. Let's talk about that. So if we want to add to the fire, we got the two wrestlers that I mentioned, and then we got Paul Heyman. And then we got Michael Cole, presumably on commentary, and everybody dislikes him. I mean, I mean, that's probably the most factual thing you've said on the uh, show so far. Nobody oh, likes Michael. It is kind Cole. of a universal. I mean, if you know, if we're going to talk about class struggle, and I'm going to talk about that, I mean, what better example is there than wrestling, right? What better example of the exploitation of workers, the the degradation of the human body and the human spirit for the purpose? Of, uh, of of profit for the purpose of spectacle and like who makes who makes the money it's like there's like some there's some of the middle managers who are the the lords of the fiefdoms that Vince McMahon you know uh, conquered right like you know Paul Heyman he's thrown some scraps in exchange for subservience to the master that sort of thing you know like those the commentators i'm sure are all allegedly accomplices to major crimes that have been covered up by the mcmahon family oh, i say yeah. allegedly you know to uh, get michael cole for sure um there i didn't even actually know anything specific and there you go there's a great of course the, oh yeah of course one of those guys you know like murdered somebody <laughs> not, not actually that's no that's not I that um the problem by the end not that the problem by the end of the idea that CM Punk was this rebel is that the main thing he was trying to do was break into that top echelon of money that he felt he was owed by Vince McMahon and the WWE. And he left when he realized that they did not see him as one of them, but just another playing piece to push around as they uh, as they saw fit. You know, and like, I mean, I guess that's kind of rebellious, only making a few million dollars and walking away instead of hanging around until you're like so physically damaged you can't move anymore and you made a couple more million dollars. And hey, man, you know, look, as you get older and you, you ha and you got medical bills and you got shit that you got, you know, like, look, I can't hold it against Chumbawamba, right? If you don't know, right, <laughs> listeners, right, Chumbawamba had a song that we don't need to address that was very popular at one point in the late 90s. Look, look and they got knocked down and they, but, they can't, 25 never, years. We're never going to keep them down. What people don't realize, never, and this is, I'm 100% absolutely serious here, is that they were an anarchist punk collective from, uh, from I think, East London for years who would like they put out an album called pictures of starving children sell records to make fun of live aid um even when they actually had the one hit song like the guitarist went like on like the tonight show or whatever and like talked about how like you know we need to overthrow the the stare like or no i think he said it's good when police get shot or something like that which in like 1997 that's that's uh on like you know the british version of jay leno or whatever uh, it's a bit. It's a big thing to that, do. That uh, entire album is. Oh, oh no, no. That entire album is full of bangers. Is it, I actually don't. I like I don't uh, the 
do you some suffer from long-term memory loss? That's yeah, I, I, I don't, don't remember. Yeah, no, I, I got yeah. that album. It's got some. It's got some toe tappers on it. We're just saying, you know, you I can remember. only you can only hang out in the squat for so long before you're just like, I do need to see a urologist. And while we should be make that service, you know, free at the point of of service for people, you know, it's 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 I I, I get I get it on an individual level why you know you'd want to sell out after a while. <laughs> Francis looks mad. Yeah, I am mad because you, you're all talking about all this music that's supposedly good. All music out there, it's another tool that they use to control well, you. Is there any music that you enjoy? Yes. Well, what In fact, you- well, two things, okay? Uh, I myself am a singer, and I think we should close out this podcast when we're done with my beautiful singing voice. I did, I did um, hear some of your bangers on Twitter, and they were, they were bangers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll throw it directly to you to close this out once we're done, for sure. Great, that sounds great. like a great idea. Yeah, solid 7 to 10 banger to clanger ratio, Yeah, uh, which is what and, you and, want. And second of all, uh, not wrestling related, uh, do any of you know who Ice J.J. Fish is? Anybody know? No. I can't, I can't say no, it rings a bell. Wasn't that Ben's he, he, cousin's rap name? No, no, he was just Ice Water. Oh, okay. Water, okay. water, 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 ice. Was one of his he's, he's the greatest uh, singer, songwriter, rapper, dancer of all time. And it's unfortunate he doesn't because he he's, he's hasn't been corrupted by the Illuminati yet. But his singing voice is amazing. Um, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. But he gets the recognition from me. And I've modeled my singing voice after him. So you should look him up sometime. Everybody listening to this, look up Ice J.J. Fish. He's amazing. Ice J.J. Fish. Cool. I do, I do just want to... I do just want, and we can cut this if this if this is too sad, if this is too depressing. But I do, friend, I do need to address something. Where now I also believe in a group of powerful people with outsized influence on the world who treat other humans as pawns in an elaborate game that enriches them and their lives. I personally just think that that's what capitalism is. Oftentimes, when I meet people. Uh, and they talk about the Illuminati. Sometimes they mean the Illuminati. And I believe that you are somebody who you mean the Illuminati when you say it. But you understand that there are some people who they mean, you know, the Jews. And it can be a little uncomfortable sometimes. The conflation of, you know, I just I, like, do, do you understand how you are next to some tropes that are historically hurtful? Even while I do not think you personally mean them. The Illuminati supersedes race, it supersedes gender, it supersedes political views or religious views. All right. Okay? And that's what I have to say about right, it. It's yeah. a pretty direct yeah. statement, I think. I, I, I appreciate know. that. I appreciate it's that. It's a pretty direct statement. statement. So, yeah. speaking of Jews, um, a couple of, uh, <laughs> I being one of them. That actually Careful. somehow is much more anti-American. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from the wow, from ben. one Jewish guy on the podcast. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell your mom, Ben. Yeah. Um, the great Jewish pro wrestling manager Paul Heyman in this match yes. uh, really, really makes the match. Um, 
the by interfering constantly, it's a notice qualification match. My favorite moment in in the whole thing is uh, when he's trying to get in the ring with the chair and Punk steps on it, and he's just ineffectu- ineffectually slapping at Punk's knee to try to get him <laughs> off the chair. I thought that was great. My favorite Heyman moment in the ma- Heyman moment in the match is just like when he just jumps in and literally just jumps on Punk to stop a pin, and Punk looks at him, and Heyman doesn't even have to say a word. Just his face tells you what he's saying. Like, what me? I just I just tripped and fell directly onto you and punched you in the face. It was an accident. I swear. I, I feel like I feel like Paul Heyman's stats are slightly above that of a ref, but still way lower than the lowest yeah. wrestler on the card. That's a good yeah, assessment. That's a good assessment. Yes. He has ten managers, hit points. That's what you're talking about. Our manager stats. Mm. Which, like, if, if we're talking about, like, from a Dungeons and Dragon type perspective, the refs have the lowest stats. Managers are a couple steps higher. Uh, valets, I think, have very, very low stats, too. Like, one hit and they're uh, dead. The Punk and, and Heyman's faces really tell this entire match, including... Great face acting in this match. Including Punk's face yes. hitting the chair when Brock Lesnar F5s him on it to pin him in the end. But, very well done. I also... I. I did appreciate just there was a, a moment fairly early in the match, the first time that Punk really goes for Paul Heyman, when Brock, who's like lying there, like really injured, gets what I can only describe as "stop punching my dad" energy, and like leaps up to defend <laughs> to defend Paul Heyman. The relationship between Heyman and Lesnar has always been a very interesting one. Heyman described it once, you know, on screen as Brock Lesnar doesn't like uh, people. I'm his best friend and he barely tolerates me. Uh, Yeah. Um, And to to your point, Evan, let's not underestimate or undervalue Lesnar's facial expressions as well. Just like the the look, absolutely sadistic look he has when he's going for the chair uh, before Punk jumps on him and everything else he 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 a little bit has the same thing that um uh dean malenko had in that where in that because he is generally not a very expressive person when he does express himself it's pretty meaningful even if he only has a very limited range of emotions and facial expressions i can dig that yeah all right so um so that's cm punk versus brock lesnar but we watched one more match francis what's the what's the second match you brought to us that we watched Brock versus CM Punk, negative six out of ten. Negative ten out of ten. Seventeen match coming up. That's Theodore Long versus Eric Bischoff from Survivor Series 2005. And let me tell you why I love this match so much. So here's the here's what you don't know why the match really happened. So Vince McMahon at the time was stepping down. He says, you know, I need to take a break. It ended up not happening, but this match was to settle. Who am I going to put in my shoes to? Uh. Obama. Okay, that's what was going on. So that's why the two were fighting. Okay, why I like this match wasn't any of that. It wasn't the match itself, but it was the fact that at the end of the match, the boogeyman, who he's one of my better friends, you know, he's very misunderstood. Some children are scared of him, but some children are scared of me, and we're both excellent people. He's just misunderstood. So he's one of my, you know, best pals, and uh, he comes out and he puts a stop to it. I really enjoyed that. So, you know, good time. You know, Teddy Long has some sick dance moves in there, too. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, Eric Bischoff, irredeemable. But I feel like if Teddy Long took the proper steps, he could redeem himself from all his past wrong. From being- to, to your point, Mr. Wright, this whole Raw SmackDown rivalry, and I, I, this was one of the first Survivor Series, I think, where they, they played that up, is, again, this example of an artificial... Mm-hmm. 
rivalry that really just benefits the larger mm-hmm. company, right? There, there is an actual competition between the two brands. And this is something that the WWE trades. Well, government spy, John, you make a very good point. Uh, if they run twice the amount of shows and they create a false rivalry, they make twice the amount of money. And of course, once again, where does that money go? So that's a very good point. It reminds me of the rivalry between uh, Trump and, and CNN or even 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 the Republican and Democratic parties. Mm-hmm. To begin yep. with. I, I, I will say I did I did meet the boogeyman once and uh, he seemed like a stand up dude. Well, he was so nice. Showed up, already had that face on, and yeah, uh, yeah. I think I, th- I mean that's just his face. It's just that's his just... face, I suppose. Yeah. And I'm like, can can we just touch on the fact that there's two refs in this match and it serves re- no real purpose and makes each of them look worse when they can't like get rid of Paul when they jointly can't get rid of Palmer Cannon on the outside. Uh, Speaking of Palmer Cannon, sure did exist. Yeah, shout out to Palmer Cannon. Yeah, yeah, I had forgotten about him. He was there for Most like a month. Most people did. Yeah, I mean, he's the one that notoriously quit because of how bad JBL was hazing, hazing him with, and uh, just was like, That's I'm right. not dealing with this. I don't have to deal with this. This is fucked up. I quit. Hmm. JBL, rednecks, terrible. Now, I, I have to say, um, Eric Bischoff, in this match, in... in a genuine, genuine black, yes, black belt. Black I unfortunately lived in Long Island for a number of years. I am not from there, to make that clear, but I did live there for a period of time. And Eric Bischoff reminds me of a very specific type of dude who lives in Long Island, which is a guy who runs Taekwondo studios out of strip malls, but has to move from town to town because... His uh, Taekwondo dojo inevitably closes because he hits on too many kids' moms. So it's like a Taekwondo version of the Music Man, except he's not as much of a scam artist and more a creep. I do, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember the Music Man very well. I don't remember a lot of sexual harassment, but I was very young at the time, so it could have gone over my head. I mean, the, in the Music Man, he goes from town to town selling, like, musical instruments and music lessons, despite not knowing anything about music. He's just, a, he's just a con salesman, and he goes from town to town because eventually he has to, like, get run out of each town before they chase him away. I guess that is actually, that seems like that definitely tracks with what I'm saying. And I, in case you're like, that doesn't seem like, that seems like a very specific group of people, that's... Eight to nine percent of the population of Long Island, at least the male population. And if you don't believe me, go spend one day there. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not. Yeah, no, actually, no. I that's the first time I've ever said something in jest in this podcast. Let don't go to Long Island, people, for any reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that we have so many people scamming people. You know, creating all these evil schemes. You know, that's why, in fact, I created. Uh, a plan to distribute mind control protection. And basically the way that this works, it mind control protection, one of these, you should all be wearing it, but whatever, it's too late at this point. You're, you're uh, for, for our listeners, so, please, please describe what it is that you're, uh, you're referring to. Cause I can see it, but they can't. Uh, I'm wearing my mind control protection. That of course is more commonly referred to a tinfoil hat. And what I do is I have a surplus of tinfoil walls and what, I do is I find people who believe in my truths and are willing to give me $1,000. And what those one, what that $1,000 does 
is it gives you 11 rolls of mind control protection, 11 rolls of tinfoil. One of those rolls is for yourself. 10 of those rolls are for your role as my degeneracy cleansing assistant. And what you're going to do is find 10 people who believe in my truths and are willing to sell mind control protection to people they know. And those people will sell the people they know and so on and so forth. So we have all these evil schemes, you know, these illegal schemes going on. But what I do is something that combats that by making sure everybody's mind is protected so the government can't read their thoughts. And it also uh, creates, I don't want to say an army, but let's say uh, a surplus of people that are going to make sure that the Illuminati does not win this battle. So I mean, that's an excellent plan. You know, if, if, if people just distribute it like that down the line, it almost creates kind um, of a pyramid shape. And before long, you will have yeah, converted everybody in the world. And it's the strong, I mean, the yeah. pyramid is the yeah. strongest shape. That's why, shape, that's why yes. people built it. Yeah, them yeah, so yeah. It almost like, it almost is like a scheme that, uh, you know, takes the form of a pyramid. I mean, it's not radically different from what we're trying to do with the bonus episodes we release weekly at patreon.com slash contesting wrestling for $5 a month. Is it? No. (laughs) That people definitely should subscribe to your bonus episodes for $5 a month. And you should also pay me $1,000 for my control protection. People say pyramid scheme, but you know, I I, I don't understand that they make no I, I was I was just saying, you know, just, just because something is is in the shape of a pyramid doesn't mean it's like a pyramid scheme. Right. It just means it spreads like properly and efficiently. Of course. Yeah. There you go. On the subject on the subject of mind control, Mr. Wright, what do you think of Elon Musk's uh, newest technological development where he was able to control the brain chemistry of a pig remotely with a uh, chip implanted in its brain? Are you aware of this? I'm aware of it. Elon Musk isn't the first person to do it. You may think that that's what's going on, that he's the first, but oh no, he's not. Is he just the one selected to show the rest of us? He's the one selected to show the rest of us, to make you think that this kind of thing hasn't been going on for years. I mean, that explains why a guy like Elon Musk seems to be so rich. He doesn't seem to have any tangible skills or anything else that would, other, unless, like, those really in charge just decided he was going to get all of that. Of course, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, there's definitely no chance that, like, you know, his father ran an apartheid era emerald mine that made millions of dollars. That uh, provide. Yeah, there's like nothing like that is what would have happened. Uh, No, there's there's no. There's no point in like Googling that or, or looking into the history of, you know, no. this is a wrestling podcast. You know, Eric Bischoff threw some uh, threw some sweet looking kicks, none of which landed because no. Teddy Long is a an old pile of bones who conducted himself very well. I might I, say who in this I match. thought moved with uh, quickness and grace. Yeah. I was not anticipating from him. Uh, te- Teddy Long. Yeah. Yeah, I loved his selling in this. Like, he's doing the manager selling that's, like, over the top and, like, floppy. Uh, like, anytime right. he gets caught in anything, he just flails around uh, like someone who has no idea how to get out of anything. Until he finally gets Bischoff right, with his shoe. he hits Bischoff with his sneaker. He takes it off. Uh, Old manager trick. Hit, get in the shoe. He learned that from Sherry. Yeah. But what, once yep. again, we see... You know, though the you know two people in a power struggle 
that, I mean, yes, itself is also only going to make money for Vince McMahon, but then also they have to drag the working class, here represented by the Boogeyman, into it to do their dirty work. And I don't think the Boogeyman got anything out of this deal. I think he was just coerced. Or, I mean, I also didn't, like, see the next episode or anything, so maybe he did get something. Well, this was his very first appearance. Yeah. He had really? had vignettes. People were anticipating the arrival of the Boogeyman. Uh, he is, he's coming to get you. Yes. He sure is. With his big uh, pump handle power slam that he hits uh, Bischoff with to get Teddy Long to mm-hmm. win in the end. Holla, holla. Holla. I want to say... I, I would disagree. I wouldn't say the boogeyman was coerced. I think he just, he was doing the right thing, you know? Even if people didn't recognize it as the right thing at the time. I recognize it as the right thing. Who were you rooting for in this match? I was rooting for myself. I wish that I knew then what I know now. I could have ran out there and I could have taken That care. is a power answer right there. And you don't mean at you don't mean that you at the time like at the age you were that like you mean you could have walked through time as if it were mere you know fog and gone back and battled them yourself and and won. Of course, yeah. Me now, because me now is the best version. I mean, I, I let's talk about me for a second because we could we can't do enough of that, right? You know, I I'm intelligent. I'm a superhero. Uh, I mean, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but a lot of people say that I'm the most adorable and attractive person they've ever met. People profess their love to me all the time. I, I literally saw someone on the internet uh, on a random forum that I was lurking on, just browsing like threads. Be like, sp- when, when when you revealed your new form, say like, spoiler: Francis was adorable the whole time. Wait. Oh, that's not a joke. I actually saw someone say that. Nobody's here to argue against your boyish charm. You got that smile going for you, too. Right. Right. Anyway, yeah, so if if things were different, you know, I would just go back in time. Not using a time machine that these degenerate scientists are working on, of course. Just using my sheer real power. Go back in time 15 years ago. Organic time travel, yeah. Exactly. And, 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 And attack both of them myself. And then go backstage and uh, take Vince McMahon out as well. But sometimes things can't change. Boogeyman was there to do the work, and I'm, I'm forever grateful. I mean, really what would probably happen is your spaceship, your time machine would apparate above the Boogeyman and crush him? Mm, maybe, but, you know, a few casualties here and there. As long as the greater good is fulfilled, whatever. Did I miss, did you talk about what superpowers you have and I missed that? I don't have any superpowers. It's just that my willpower is so high to complete, I must save the world, right? My willpower is so high that there's nothing that anybody could do to stop that, right? I mean, Batman doesn't have any superpowers, you know, you don't necessarily need superpowers to be a superhero. That's right. That's right. My power is knowing the truth. Truth is out there. The truth is out there. Now it is because of me. Thank you. You, should, you know what? You should all thank me just for being here. I, so I mean, we well, we do thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Brad. That's we, we genuinely appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate it. You should. So um, okay, so th- those were those were the two matches. How about uh, well, before we end, there was one other yeah, thing okay. about the match I wanted to point out. Um, this is the beginning of something that was very fun at the time, but was really overplayed uh, by now, 
left, certainly, uh, the bickering between announcers. We, we hear Jonathan Coachman and, and Michael Cole representing the Raw and SmackDown brands, respectively, you know, going at it verbally. Uh, and, and that was really fun at the time. I think it really started between uh, Cole and JBL on SmackDown. Well, it maybe. started when, when JBL uh, would just insult whoever he was sitting next to and whoever he was sitting next to wouldn't push back. Because they, they did this as far back as there have been like heel announcers. Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon used to do it, except Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon sure. would sell for each other. None of the modern announcers right. sell for any of the other announcers. JBL sounds like it stands for jerk butt loser. Oh, got him. The, 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 well the signs used to say just a big loser. Yeah. Uh, he was also referred to uh, commonly as being very poopy. Uh, yes, yes. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll talk. Or maybe, maybe like giant bastard. So, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you guys. I mean, his going. fingers... His fingers were certainly poopy a couple of times. We'll, we'll touch on that at some point. Well, nice, Wait, no, nice, let's uh, touch on it now. I need explanation. explanation Great, thanks, it. Ben. Now we have to talk about we're, this. At some point or another, we'll do a JBL episode where we'll, we'll you know, it, it will be complimentary and also not complimentary. That's for sure. J, the short story is JBL has been accused of um, uh, man, mandibly, manually, uh, sodomizing other wrestlers in the By show. By Palmer Cannon. Oh. Yeah, oh, Palmer Cannon, yeah. right. That's Palmer the Cannon's the one that said that shit happened. Palmer Cannon. Oh, man. Yeah. I think yeah. that's... Yeah. that's yeah, well, he was one of them. It was probably... Mul- I think it was multiple well, That's It's the kind of thing I that, like, so, that yeah. was an old locker room thing. You'd go up behind somebody yeah. when everyone was soapy, and you'd poke him in the butt, and, like, and everyone would laugh, and it was like, it wasn't cool. And now, you know, uh, most places people don't do that anymore, but it's like, yeah, uh, that's the psychology of it, you know? It's in the same universe as the sack tap. Exactly. It's perhaps a bit more aggressive, yes. but it's like, it's yes. the same kind of thing. Uh, reference our episodes on uh, Roddy Piper, amongst yeah. others, for reference for explanation of the sack tap. Francis once again looks angry. Well, I just want to say this, you know, talking about the wrestling matches specifically, I look angry, generally speaking, just because of the state of our world, that people believe lies. People believe lies. They, 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 they think, oh, it's infuriating. people who believe in chemtrails, that poison is all, those people are crazy. Those are the kind of lies that I'm angry at. But let's talk specifically about the wrestling matches for a second. So um, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar, negative 6 out of 10. Teddy Long and Eric Bischoff, 17 out of 10. Francis Wright, just as a person, 1,007 out of 10. Bold. There you go. Bold. Respect. So, uh, you should. I was going to say, Evan, do you want to plug all of our pluggables and then we'll have Francis sing us out? Yes, uh, yes. Excellent. Uh, this has been Contesting Wrestling. Um, really one of the, uh, an episode where we actually got to contest a, a wrestler. Uh, it's doesn't, it's something that hasn't come We're up We're trying to often, get it so. to happen more often now that we've given Evan kind of a baseline of wrestling knowledge. So look for more guests in this space over the coming months. Uh, but, uh, if you enjoyed this, you should follow us, um, 
check out our aforementioned Patreon, patreon.com slash contestingwrestling, where we put out a whole bonus episode every week for five bucks a month. There is also a $1 thank you tier where you get to hear the main feed episodes a couple weeks in advance, even if you don't get the full bonus episodes themselves. You can follow us on Twitter at contestingw. Uh, please hit us up. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there's anything we should cover. Let us know if there's some perspective on wrestling that I'm missing. Feel free to engage. You know, with the, yeah, exactly. That that all that good stuff. Um, if you have any rival conspiracy theories, and, to Mr. and as Wright. usual, send all complaints to at Scribe Ben on Twitter. Yes, yes, and and all compliments to uh, Evan yeah. Burke, etc. And uh, yes, yeah. And I guess if you want to, if you want to yell at me for the, you know, like I, I if you want to yell at me for the politics stuff, if that, if I do too much of that for your taste, um, I would like to hear your complaints. I will not respect your opinion or do a- or in any way change my behavior as a result of knowing about your issues. But I do, I would like to hear them because it, it feeds me. Do not send unsolicited dick pictures, but if you must, send them to at Doc Diamond Fire. Okay, and uh, and for our guest Francis Wright, you wanna you wanna plug your Twitter or anything else you, you gotta plug? Yes, I I do have that. Uh, my Twitter is at Francis Wright PW. Wright is spelled W R I G H T. There you will be able to find all my videos where I share my insight with the world. Please talk positively, because so many people call me a crazy person and leave comments that mock me. Tell me about how amazing I am. But either way, I want to see you there. All right, and uh, and you want to sing us out, and we'll we'll close this off. I do, but this is more than a song. This is the purification process because we just talked about wrestling for an hour. We all need to purify ourselves of all this wrongdoing and all this wickedness. So what I need everybody to do is put the hand to the screen. Is everybody putting their hand to the screen? Okay. Not over here. I've got my hands to the screen. Yeah, yeah, listeners, you can't uh, see this obviously because uh, we are. This We're is an audio it. medium. If you weren't sure, but we are all holding our hands up to the Zoom right now. Yeah, we're doing it. Great. So now I'm going to sing the purification song, and once the purification song is over, you will be cleansed awesome, of your lungs. Nice. So here we Sweet deal. <clears throat> And there we go. Don't you all just feel lighter? Don't you all just Actually, feel better? Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Francis. That was beautiful. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to say we can we can be, be a small part in spreading your word. Thanks very much for coming on, Francis. Thank you for having me accept the government's by Joe. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, ben. yeah well. So, uh, sorry, it's been really weird. I feel like I suddenly can't remember like 85% of my life. That's so... I don't know what's going on. Anyways, so we are also like I, even most of this episode is pretty fuzzy to me. It's as if it's well, we'll it's have to much, listen it's, to it. It's back. as if it's pretty much just been wall to wall wrongdoing from uh, from a very early age for me. <laughs> that said, this has been contesting wrestling. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye bye. Peace.